So this morning, the way we were. Now, some of you this morning, you're here, and you remember back to 1973, uh, and you remember that Barbara Streisand and Robert Redford movie, uh, The Way We Were. You had the, the, the Barbara Streisand's character falls in love with Robert Redford's character, and basically it's a flashback, and there's that Oscar-winning song, The Way We Were, and it, and it begins, Memories Like the Corners of My Mind. Misty watercolor, you know, you know the song I'm talking about. It's actually a great, great song, and it ends that first stanza. What's too painful to remember, we simply choose to forget. Sometimes we forget the way we were. Amen. I think the body of Christ is prone to forget the way we were. And all of a sudden, we start looking at other people who don't know Jesus, and we kind of go, well, how could you possibly be like that, when in fact, you used to be exactly like them, amen? Now, maybe they are a little better at sinning than you were. Um, Perhaps they're at a higher level of their sinning ability. But the fact of the matter is, you can't be partially dead, amen? Well, unless you watch Princess Bride. He's mostly dead. No, if you're dead, you're dead. Amen? We were all dead in our trespasses and in our sins. And so as we begin the second chapter this morning, this amazing book written to the church at Ephesus, might as well have been written to us today. We're going to pick up in verse 1, just the first four verses. Because each one of us that's here this morning, we had a B.C. epoch. Amen? A a time of history of your life, of my life, to where I was before Christ. And in that B.C. living, in those days that were before I met Jesus, uh, I was no better than anybody else. And neither were you. And in fact, apart from the grace of God and the mercy of God and the wonderful work of God in our lives, we'd all still be B.C. Amen? So this morning, verse 1, let's pray and ask God to speak through the power of his word. Lord, we have come just expectantly. God, that you'd take these few verses, Lord, and just impart them to our hearts. Lord, we would not forget the goodness that you've poured out upon us as your children. Lord, indeed, we are blessed. And your mercy and your grace is new every morning. It's rich and full. And so, God, take your word now and help us to learn and grow and be stretched. Father, pray for those who maybe came today and they do not know you. They've never met Jesus. And they're still living in those B.C. days. God, would today be the day of their salvation. Save the lost, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Verse 1 here in Ephesians chapter 2. And please circle the first two words. If you have a New King James Bible, it says, and you. Amen? Don't forget the object of these words. We're prone to think sometimes that it pertains to other people. And you, he made alive. Amen? He made us alive. We did not make ourselves alive. You've been saved by grace and through faith. That's not of yourself. It is a gift of God. None of us can boast. So if you're here this morning and you are the redeemed of the Lord, we say, I. Amen? 
We are saved by grace. God's unmerited favor towards us. He has made us alive. You didn't make you alive. You didn't all of a sudden get better. You're still rotten. Okay? You're still sinners, but you are now saved sinners, amen, by the grace of God. And so that life that you used to live, we no longer live. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, amen? So as we look at this, let us not forget that we used to be dead. And he has made us alive. And notice how he now goes on to explain this reason that we have been made alive. Because he made us alive who were, past tense, the way we were. Past tense. Because right now I'm not dead anymore, I'm alive in Christ. And he who the Son is set free is free. Indeed, amen. We're alive. We used to be dead in our trespasses and sins. And he goes on now to say in verse 2, in which you once walked. We used to walk there too. We traveled there as well. We were on the road to perdition, the road to destruction. If you're here this morning and you're now a saved sinner, you used to be on your way to hell. Amen? We need to remember that hell was a reality for all of us until we met Jesus. You once walked according to the course of this world. Notice the course. This world. This world is not your friend, nor is it your home as the body of Christ. Amen? We are just passing through. My treasures, yours, are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Amen? This is is not the end-all, cure-all. This part here, uh, and I love to think of it this way. This is as bad as it gets for believers. Amen? It gets way better from here. But we used to walk in the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. There is a world system that John declares is the world itself, the flesh, your flesh, and the devil. It's played out here in in this set of verses. The world's not your friend. The world is set up in a way to destroy you, if possible. And you used to walk in that way. But isn't it funny how when you look back on your past, you you look at your high school days, how many people, I mean, why do people actually gravitate towards, man, remember back in high school? It's like high school was hell. High school was not that great, okay? And, and you guys, give it up. You could not throw the football 100 yards. It's amazing. We look back on it. Yeah, remember the parties? And we used to go here and we went there. We think with fondness about... We forget that we were laying in the front yard in the vomit. Amen? Think about it. For It wasn't that great. Amen? It was the way we were. It's supposed to be past tense. And it's past tense for each of us this morning. It's not how we are. It's how I used to be. Praise the Lord. The works in the sons of disobedience, though, they're gravitating towards that stuff still. Parties still attract people. Sin still attracts people. It still looks good. Notice verse 3, among whom 
also we all once conducted ourselves, notice, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of our mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others, or just like everybody else. Amen? Why do we find it so hard to understand that sinners sin? You ever thought of it? As Christians, sometimes we get super judgmental. We look, well, I would never do that. When in fact, not only did you do that, you did it worse than they did. But somehow we forget the way we used to be. We once used to walk that way. We were just as vile and just as lost because to be dead is dead. I had a young man that came into my office one time. He wanted to debate his ability to keep the Ten Commandments. And he's going through and I'm talking to him. Thou shalt have no other gods before him. We went through everything. He got, you know, he passed the test. Except for he skipped over, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods or thy neighbor's wife. And he says, well, that's just in your head. I said, exactly, that's why you're dead. Because it is in your head, it's in your heart, it's in you. You have a sinful nature. And it doesn't matter if you miss one or all ten, if you are not perfectly righteous, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's why we need Jesus, amen? Doesn't matter how partially dead you are, you're still dead. We forget sometimes from whence we have come, amen? Notice it says, just as the others, we all once conducted ourselves before we met Jesus that way. Verse 4, two of the most hopeful words in all of Scripture. And it really is the context of next week's message, so we'll get to it today. We'll end with it today, but it really is the beginning of next week's message. But God, amen? Hallelujah. But God. You see, because you were dead. You were D-E-A-D, dead. Absolutely could not help yourself. You ever seen a dead person doing CPR on themselves? (laughs) Come on, I can make it. No, you're dead. You cannot help yourself. That's one of the definitions of dead. Without life. Amen? But God, even though you were dead. That's why when we look at the life of Christ, if he did not raise from the grave, then we're still dead in our trespasses and sins. Amen? But he's made us alive because of Christ. But God, who is rich in mercy... Anybody else in here love mercy? Oh, hallelujah. It's God's compassion in action. It's him looking at us and saying, man, I love my kids. And even though they're knuckleheads, even though they just, I should fry them right now. You see, I go back to the garden for this. I go to Adam and Eve. I'm getting me a new Adam and Eve. I'm not working with that bunch. It's like, look, you had your chance. It's over. That's what would have happened if I had been God in the garden. Like, look, I can make two more. There's dirt. I can make more people. (laughs) But God, who is abundantly overflowing in his buckets of mercy, says, look, I'm going to work with what I got. I'm going to give compassion when I ought to give judgment. I'm going to give grace when I ought to give damnation. But God, who is rich in mercy because, please circle that word, because of his great love 
with which He has loved us. You see, God isn't just arbitrarily rich in mercy. It's because He is completely love that He's rich in mercy. He knows no other way to function but in love. Even in justice and judgment, He functions in love because He is love. And so this morning, as we begin to elaborate on these verses, so powerful are these. You see, we had a big problem, but we have a bigger God. Hallelujah. Amen? We had a, we had a big problem. And I want you to see a few things here. This, this whole passage of Scripture, actually the first seven verses, remember that in the original text, there were not chapter and verses. There wasn't a chapter one and a chapter two and a verse one and a verse two. There was simply this letter that was written to the church at Ephesus. And so the first seven verses of what we call chapter 2 are actually a single sentence, much like we saw in chapter 1. So for you English majors, major run-on sentence, okay? Just get over it. We're not worried about that. It's a continuous thought. And so as God speaks these things to us, notice that there is first a subject of that Greek sentence, and the subject of that Greek sentence is God himself. But God, he's the subject of it. And notice who the three main verbs are pointed at. It's pointed at us. He's made us alive there in verse 5. He's raised us up in verse 6. And he has seated us with there also in verse 6. You see, he is working in our lives to accomplish his will, his good pleasure, because he loves us. It's all about him. It's not about you and me. That's why when people come and say, well, you know, someday I'm going to finally earn my stripes. They'll use verbiage like that. You know, I, I, you know, it's like you're in the military or something and you're going to get promoted if you just stick around long enough. It's not going to happen. You're going to die a sinner one day. But you're going to die a saved sinner by God's grace if you know Jesus. Amen? And then you're going to be perfect. While you're still here, You're a work in progress. Amen? And you he hath made alive who were dead. You're alive right now. But you see, previously you didn't quite get that. Neither did I. We needed to meet Jesus. And it was in fact that deadness that he looked at and said, man, that's a problem. It's a huge problem, and it's a problem that the people can't solve. I can't solve. You see, I was totally dead in my old life. And I want you to see this. You see, eventually we're all going to physically die, amen? Unless the rapture comes, then we'll be translated immediately into his presence. We'll meet him together in the clouds. But we have all had a death sentence on our lives while we've been here. But we weren't just physically dead. And this is where people get into problems. You were not just physically dead. You were spiritually dead. You were morally dead. You were ethically dead. You were completely dead without Jesus. Now, does that mean you can't do some good things? Well, of course not. Dead people in this world still do some pretty amazing good things. There's philanthropy on, the, on this globe. There are, there are even evil people who can occasionally do good things. But good things don't make you alive. For the works of the flesh is no one justified. Amen? You you can't get made alive by doing good things. And so we were totally dead. Every part of us, our physical being, our spiritual being, our moral being, even our mind was dead. And you remember those times in the way you used to think. 
You see, we were dead in our transgressions and in our sins. We're looking at these things sometimes from the wrong perspective. Now, let me help you. Shouldn't be a shocker to you that sinners sin. Why? Because it's our nature. That's what we do. We were born in it, conceived in it. We still have that sin nature. And any believer that tells you that they do not have a sin nature anymore, you need to get as far away from them as you possibly can. Because the lightning bolt is coming. They're heading for a train wreck disaster one day if they think that somehow they are going to be sinless in this life. We are not sinless, we sin less. Amen? We do it a little less frequently. And very often it boils down to things that are hard issues or issues of our mind or maybe things that we think about that we shouldn't think about. But we are still sinners. And so it has two words here used primarily, I think, just for emphasis, but transgressions. And it, and it doesn't mean that we're just kind of sick. It means that we're really messed up. And we need only one cure. And his name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. You can't find out that you're sick by wandering around telling yourself with a positive attitude, I'm okay. Amen? You've met people like that. You got, you know, you're... you're squirting blood somewhere, well, it'll stop sooner or later. (laughs) Oh, you need some care. The the Lord needs to work in your life. And the, the bottom line is, you have to know the bad news in order for the good news to make any sense. You're you're not going to need Jesus if you don't understand that you're a dead sinner who needs him. If you think you're alive, now think back of the way you used to be. We live for parties, we live for pleasure, we live for fun, we live for all kinds of things, and we didn't even realize at that moment that we were dead. And then all of a sudden, you run up on something that you can't fix yourself. And the Lord works in your life and says, look, I'm the answer to that. You've done pretty well up to now, but not so much on this thing. And all of a sudden you're going, wow, I need help from the outside. I can't self-help my... I can't go to Barnes & Noble and find a self-help book on this. Go through that section sometimes. You want to laugh? You want a good laugh? Go through the self-help. I'm addicted to bicycles. (laughs) It's crazy how many... It's nuts. We got issues, amen? If you don't have... I'll give you some of mine. I have issues. You can have some of mine. We have issues. You see, there is absolutely first the bad news. As for you, you were dead. You weren't just sick. You couldn't help yourself. But God looks at you and he says, there's no way you're coming back to life. So I'm going to raise Jesus from the dead and I'm going to send him to you because your problem's not the bad things you're doing, it's your dead. You see, when you get that bad news and you're going, wow, what do I need to do to be saved? That's the question that Nicodemus asked, right? How about the Philippian jailer when he came down the stairs? What must I do to be saved? The light comes on. All of a sudden you're going, wow, I need a savior. Check out the diagnosis here. Basically, we were the walking dead. Amen? And I'm not encouraging you to watch the TV show. Just want to make that very clear. 
But, but it is about the same, really. Because you ever noticed how in zombie movies, I know, I've seen them, 1950s were better. Because <laughs> the zombies were just kind of weird. You know, and they always walked the same way. They walked in that deadness, like they had some kind of purpose. You looked at him, you said, that dude's dead. But they didn't seem to care. That's the way we were. You see, the diagnosis is we were dead. And so there's three things that we can pick up. Look, we live just like the rest of the world, amen? And yet we go, oh, well, I'd never do that. Sure you would. And you did. Frequently and often. Maybe not like that person. Maybe not exactly the same way. But you were walking around just as dead as everybody else. Maybe your hope was in fame. Maybe your hope was in fortune. Maybe your hope was in all these good things, power. Well, I just want to be a great business person. I was dead that way. I just want to make my own millions. And I did. I lived that life. I had everything that this world has to offer. And I was still D-E-A-D dead. You see, we wander around living just like the rest of the world. And when you get a bunch of people together who agree with each other, guess what happens? Nobody thinks anything's messed up. That's why when people are at parties and they're all completely wasted, they're all going, man, that party was awesome. (laughs) That's why they do that. Because they were all messed up. You get somebody who's in endless relationships. Yeah, this guy or that girl or whatever. They think it's perfectly normal. Yeah, that guy was awesome. This girl was awesome. It was wonderful. No, it wasn't. You're just agreeing with the other people who are just like you so you don't find out that it's bad. Drugs are the same way. Alcohol's the same way. Money is the same way. You see, the diagnosis is the same. Why? The second thing. Because there literally is someone who's making it attractive to us in our sin nature called the mighty prince of the air. You know him as Satan or the devil. He is the God of this age. And when you wander around the earth, it does not take you very long to figure out someone behind the scenes is making things pretty messed up. Amen? Because I can tell you it's gotten worse in the last 60 years. We're watching black and white television, and it, it's father knows best. Dennis the Menace was as foul as it got, okay? It's like, wow, I think he said darn. <laughs> you remember those days? And now you look at what's going on. And by the way, let me just square away some people's very poor theology. The devil is not some dude in a red suit with four horns and a tail. The dude wears Armani, okay? He is GQ all the way. He drives a Beamer, and he's got a wad of cash in his pocket. Amen? That's the real devil. Now, if you happen to have a Beamer, I'm sorry. If you're wearing Armani and you're in your... Forgive me. I don't want to give you the wrong impression. You can have those things and still be wonderfully saved, okay? But that's what people gravitate towards. They look at, oh, you know, he went and had, you know, Botox injections, and now he looks like he's 12 years younger. 
until you find out that, you know, your, your, you know, your eyebrows are up in your scalp. You see, the world is very attractive that way. We're looking, oh, well, I'll just be young forever. I'll switch spouses. I mean, I've had the same one for 40 years. People start thinking that way, don't they? And they look at what the God of this world says. Hey, you need this. You crest over that stupid hill there going towards Las Vegas and the glow hits you, you know. It's like a moth to a flame. Oh, I can't wait to go lose all my money. You're not, anybody that thinks you go there and you're going to win anything, you are N-U-T-S nuts. The odds in Vegas are 98.3% against you. And yet people go there and spend billions of dollars and throw away their hard-earned, God-belonging-to-cash, by the way. And then they wonder, well, I can't make my mortgage payment. It's because it's the mighty prince of the power of the air that lights up that neon and those fountains and all that stuff. It looks like, wow, what a family destination spot. (laughs) Yeah, there's strippers and there's drugs and all that, but, you know, it's a family destination spot. Have you seen those commercials on TV? Well, we now have have carnival rides. And we still have cocaine, and we still have people lying in the gutter, and we have people being shot every day, and we have people losing their life savings. And yet, wow, it's awesome. (laughs) The prince of the power of the air rules this world. Watch television. Look at the commercials. Can anybody tell me what the point is of naked and afraid? I've seen this, I watch Discovery Channel, I'm like, what? What? Two dumb people go into the jungle and they have no clothes. There is no way that anybody's watching that because of the the wonderful plot, okay? It's because the people don't have any clothes on. That's why people watch that show. And the enemy's going, well, it's just really a wonderful program. What is next? Naked Amish quilters? How much worse can it get? I mean, it's, this is the enemy's plan. Suck in all the Amish people. We need to wise up, folks. There's a plan behind all of this, and it ain't for your blessing. It's for your condemnation and your death. Don't get fooled. And a third thing, we were enslaved to gratifying the flesh, amen? We weren't just kind of sort of messed up. Our sinful nature said, that's good, I'm going to do that. And it still says, that's good. Now I want you to see some of the details that come into view for us. You see, here's the problem. We all, we all, every last one of us, have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? We have all strayed. Everyone, Isaiah said, has turned unto his own way. You see, it's universal. It's not them and us. It's us, period. We all still have an issue. We all still have areas to where the enemy can get his hooks in if we give him ground. That's why we're to make no foot place for the enemy. Amen? Don't give him a place to stand in your life. 
Make sure that you're doing your part to stay out of his kingdom. Our problem is, is we try and go camping with the devil. It's like, well, you know, he's got a motorhome. It's pretty nice. Well, I'll just, you know, I'll just go and have a glass of water. I actually had a guy tell me that one time. Well, I always, well, I go to the bar because I'm trying to convert people. <laughs> you are not converting a bunch of drunks, okay? The, the carnal mind cannot know the things of God, so while they're sitting there, like, you know, with their eyeballs rolled back in their head, they're fairly immune to the gospel message at that point in time. But you are in grave danger. You're in grave danger. You see, because you're still a sinner. And the lifestyles of the world, they can get their hooks. We used to all live that way. That's what verse 3 says to us. And we were all children of wrath. Each one of us had some issues that we could not survive if we hadn't met Jesus. And so I want to be really clear as we wrap these things up. You know, it is important for us to remember that we still have an old sin-filled nature. It's still there. That mantra, that philosophy, if it feels good, if it pleases you, is not new to the 20th century. Amen? It's not. It's as old as Adam and Eve. Amen? That woman you gave me. We've been blaming other people for our issues since the dawn of time. Amen? And we still do it. Because we want to please ourselves. We now live for pleasing Christ. Amen? You see, sin corrupts. We still have that, that sarks, that body of flesh is actually the best way to understand it. I have a body of flesh. And there are things that appeal to my body. When I drive down the road and I watch somebody go zinging by in a Lamborghini, I'm not like, oh, well, I wouldn't ever want that. <laughs> I'm like, dude, give me a ride. <laughs> what up? See, you got the same problem. <laughs> we do. We look at it. We, you know, you drive through a neighborhood. Boy, I sure want that rundown house. You know, you're, I saw you guys. You're cruising PV. Like, wow, look at that one. We, we all have that old nature that's never satisfied no matter what you have. doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. You'll want more. Doesn't matter what size house you have, you want a bigger one. Doesn't matter what kind of car you drive, you want a faster one. You see, we still have that old sin filled nature. But the good news, and what I want to leave you with today, and it's so important you see, yeah, we were addicted to sin, but greater is our Savior. Greater is our Savior. You, you see, it's that but God picture. I had an issue, that's for sure. I, I had no hope without him, but now not only do I have hope, because I was dead, I now have the answer, but God. I was a rebel, but God. I, I was enslaved to this world, just like everybody else, but God. And so when we look at the problem, we already know the answer. We have him in us. 
Now Christ dwells in us, and now He works to will and to do that, which is His good pleasure. And see, God is rich in something that we desperately need. God is rich in something we desperately need. Because I don't know about you, but I still make mistakes occasionally. Sometimes I outright do the wrong thing. It's not that I set out to do those things, but I'm pretty sure like everyone else in here, there are times when maybe you say a word that you shouldn't say. Maybe something harsh comes out of your lips. Maybe you're not loving. Maybe you're not kind. Maybe there's a relationship in your life that shouldn't be there, and you don't have the guts to say, no, I really can't hear that joke. Maybe I really ought to grab the remote and turn the TV off. Maybe that movie that I went and watched, that shouldn't have come into my mind. Maybe there's something in your thought life. Maybe you're carrying around bitterness. Anybody think that in this room, this size, this many people, I guarantee you there are hundreds of people in this room dealing with bitterness right now. Hate. Anger. You see, we're quick to say, well, I, you know, I haven't committed adultery this week. But what about your neighbor? His dog? What about those thoughts you think about those people at work? What about those things that you said about those people at work and destroyed their character as a believer, as a Christian? We still need desperately the but God in our life. Amen? And so it ends, this fourth verse, but God, who is so rich in mercy. And oh, how that is the story of the way we are, which is next week's message. But God, who is rich in mercy, His abundant mercy is the answer to what ails us. That deadness, no matter the, the little bit that resides in us in our flesh, fortunately, by the blood of Christ, will never be held accountable to that deadness. Because we're now saved by grace through faith. But He's the answer for those things that come into our lives every day that give us a stain, give us a little bit of that transgressive work, a little bit of that sinful thought life. He is the answer. But God, who isn't going to give you what you deserve, He's going to give you what you don't deserve, which is His grace. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we kind of hate to end this morning. It's such a glorious time that we get to spend together with you, with your word. But, Lord, we pray right now by the power of your Spirit. Lord, I believe there are people here this morning that I need to spend some time with you, and we have a prayer room for that, and we have blessed saints that would love to just sit down and pray and so we just want to commit those thoughts and those people to you pray God that there's anyone here this morning who's never met Jesus God as we wrap up this service that they just simply get together with one of the ushers the pastors head to the prayer room and get introduced to the king of kings the lord of lords who's waiting to pour out mercy upon us Father we thank you for the truth of your word that we who were once dead have now been made alive, and we love you, Lord, like you 
have loved us. Lord, you've shown us how much you love us in Jesus. And so, Father, thank you for this time, for this day, for your blessings. Lord, we thank you for your mercy, wherein you have loved us, that you sent Jesus into this world, that while we were yet sinners, Jesus, you died for us. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We bless you, we praise you, and all God's people said, Amen. Let's stand.